Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest. Jason Lamper is going to talk about all about financial planning. He's focused on the underserved community and alternative individuals community. We're going to talk all about finances, financial independence, saving, retirement, investing, all the good stuff and jason welcome thank you i look forward to having a great conversation yeah i know uh tell this audience about you like i said um, i've interviewed quite a few cfps but what's interesting is kind of like real estate brokers everybody's kind of like they got their own niche they got their own community their own slant the way they do things so um tell us your story I mean, I think that in order to have success as a financial planner, you kind of have to be working with people you understand and and like, and are kind of your people. When I was uh, deciding what my practice would be like, he thought, you know, who are my people? And I looked around at my at my group of friends and the people that I wanted to serve, and I said, you know, then also who's not being served particularly well by the way the financial advising industry is structured. When you, when you distill all of those decisions down into who I want, who I'm dealing with or who I want to have as my clients, it is people who consider themselves outsiders uh, to society. That is uh, LGBT folk and people who have families of choice and also people who are child and those arenas, those those areas are very under financial planners. I also am looking for people in the mass affluent category because, uh, you know, I would not call myself mass affluent. I would probably say I was one level below that, especially starting up a new business. But that's who I I want to deal with. Those are people who have real financial questions and problems. And often people who are in the LGBTQIA community are financially challenged by that in a lot of dimensions. Yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting. Just the way the modern financial system is structured, it's kind of excludes almost a, a large portion of surprise. And, you know, like there's so many hoops you have to turn in so many documents and forms and usually it's the wealthy you know whites that get it but uh you know which which is interesting is um your uh you talked about child free so how does being child free affect someone's financial plan well i mean you could say that being child free is kind of well you don't have to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars on raising a child uh, each child and that is that is true but it, when you look at it from a technical perspective, not having children completely changes one would invest and how one would structure your investments as you move through life. You have a lot more opportunity. 
put resources put resources towards the life that you're having as opposed to having assumptions on on legacy planning at the end. If you don't have kids that you want to leave your millions to, then you have your millions to use during your lifetime. So it changes kind of the shape of the the financial calculations within someone's lifetime. Yeah. That's, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, that's one of the advantages is, you know, child-free, you kind of can focus on your, you know, you and your spouse or, you know, yourself. But But let let me just say... Yeah. <laughs> that on the other side of that equation or for child-free people is that they have less of a community to take care of them as they get older, right? Instead of being able to assume that your kids are going to come along and help you move move out of your out of one place and into another place as you as you age, or take care of you when you get sick, it's just not there, right? So people who are child-free have to be more conscious of the networks that they build as they grow older to make sure that they have the, the structure in place in order to absorb when things happen during during, as during their retirement or, or beyond. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, you talked about the financial challenges. When should, because, uh, you know, traditionally after 2008, CFPs, a lot of, you know, people were kind of, doing it on their own, why should someone engage a CFP professional? Sure. I mean, in for, for the people that, that I'm dealing with is the, the it, how to craft a retirement income is the big problem that one faces in life. When does one stop working? Which resources does one tap first? Uh, Social security decisions, claiming decisions. Those are all... Uh, not immediately obvious, and they don't they don't respond well to gut feeling. And many times, those decisions should be should be played out using using advanced software to to game out the situations. Not only just once, right? Just not only you go and you get a financial plan, and that's and then you you get a hundred page printout and you throw it in the round file because it's it's stale the moment it came off the printer but an ongoing relationship with somebody who is tracking what's going on. And that allows, if you have that relationship in place, if you, when you enter the retirement challenge, right, you can continually update and change the elements that are going wrong and responding to, to how the circumstances are changing. Like you mentioned the crash in 2008, right? If you had a financial planner on board, who had all of your stuff built in, you could have not anticipated because nobody really could have anticipated, but you could have adjusted your your, your income strategy for the market as it was responding to, to all of those things that were happening in 2008, right? And so what you want to do, what, what I encourage people to do and what I hope people will do is they have a long-term relationship with the person who is their financial financial planner and their their vision, their income and their goals are continually being updated and accessed. It's it's a it's a project that is ongoing as opposed to a one time deal because, like I said, when you only do it once, you only have a single data point to look at. What you really want to look at 
is what the slope of the, the progress line is, right, over the course of your life and as uh, circumstances change. And when you have that, then you have real data about how your, your plan is going. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I love this. Um, you know, always engage, you know, of course, understand what you're doing and kind of, you know, but always have a professional. Um, one thing that was interesting was, uh, you know, all these CFPs or what, 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 what uh, people really realized after 2008 was a lot of financial planners are salesmen. They try to get you into mutual funds. So sure. the difference between a fee-only and a fee-based, and what, what's the difference? A, a fee-only planner is the, somebody who works for the client directly. You, the client is paying them for their expertise, like you would pay an attorney or any other financial professional. When you want to have them on your side, you pay them for their services. That's fee-only, fee-based is often uh, a wrapper for insurance. They, you always have to ask whenever you're dealing with a, with a financial professional, hey, how do you get paid? Because if you're not paying for the advice, somehow that person is getting paid. Nobody does this for free unless it's pro bono work and most of the people who want to be clients are not really eligible for pro, pro bono work, although CFPs do an awful lot of pro bono work. If you don't have any understanding of how that person gets paid, then you are, are the product. That's essentially how that how that works. So if if they if you're not going to pay somebody for their expertise, then they're going to get paid somehow, and it's probably going to be on commissions on things that they sell you, and that is is problematic in a lot of dimensions. Will you go to the used car lot and ask the, the salesman which car you should buy? And the answer is probably no, because he's incentivized to sell you the most expensive thing or the thing that he really wants to get off the lot or the thing that his manager is telling them that they need to, they need to sell. So he doesn't work for you. He works for somebody else. He doesn't work for the client. And that is a, that is a huge deal. So uh, my advice to people is always ask when you're dealing with professionals, how do you get paid? What are your incent? What are, what is the professional's incentive to provide you with with service? Now on the on the fee only side, there are two models. There's the AUM model, which is people who are looking to manage assets, and the way that they make money is they they manage more of your assets. So once again, you're not really paying them for their advice. You're paying you're paying them for their perhaps their professional expertise in, in management. But the, the science shows that, that most people don't need much more than, than a reasonably well-diversified portfolio that is rebalanced every once in a while. And for that, you don't really need to pay, you know, 50 to 100 basis points. So my model is you pay me for my expertise. I get paid I get paid for the initial setting up of a plan, and that covers six months of my professional time, uh, including as much implementation time as, as a person needs, right? That's the first six months. You pay me a fee, and then at the end of that six months, you get to determine whether you want to continue to have an ongoing relationship with me, and then you pay me a monthly fee uh, for that. 
And I think that that's, that's fair because I really want my clients to call me when they, when they have questions or they want to, when they want to look at their, at their financial plan and work out and run out of a scenario. I have an idea. Let's see what, how it affects my plan. I want my clients to call me whenever they have that idea or whenever they're thinking about buying something or any of that. I want them to call me and I want to see how that, I want to punch those numbers into our planning software and I want to see how that works. Now, if I am getting paid only through, through commissions, then I don't want to hear from that client anymore because they're just wasting my time. <laughs> right. Uh, the commission guy, after he makes the sale, well, only wants to check in so often when he can upgrade his sale <laughs> or sell you something else. And the, and the guy who is managing your money also doesn't really want to hear from you because he's busy doing whatever it is that he does and trying to collect more clients because that's how he makes more money. My, my motto is, is fee only. It's not advice only, but it's close to being advice only. Uh, because the the financial the financial uh, services firm that I work for, Woodson Wealth Management, also provides some investment management, but that's an additional service that's added on and not something that is required. We have no minimum, right? You want to come and you want to get my services, you pay me, and if you like me, you subscribe to my service, and we continue to have an ongoing relationship for as long as you want that. And I continue to encourage you. You as the client keep reaching out to me with problems when things change, when you have ideas. We and I know you. I know the client. I get to know my clients, and I and I love hearing from them. And my outsider clientele it often includes people who want to do it themselves, right? Which the whole rest of the industry is like, oh my god, engineers, people who want to do it themselves, people who actually want to understand how their structure works. Those are people who are just trouble. And for my clients, those are the people I love, people who want to get into the nitty-gritty, who want to hear me talk for an hour about the theory of their, their asset allocation or, or how they should do risk management. Great. Let's talk about that. That is a useful use of my hour when you're paying me for my time. Really, I'm sorry. I went, I went on a little bit long about that, but it's a pet, it's a pet subject. Yeah, really understand the... Uh... You know, the other thing is, um, how do you go, so how do you go about um, choosing one? Well, what what things should people be looking for? What types of questions should they be asking? You know, all of that. Well, you, you definitely want to want before you begin looking for a planner. You want to sit down. And you want to think about what's important to you. What do you want the planner to do for you? Like, if somebody wants a planner who is going to manage their assets. I'm probably not going to be the first choice because my thing is about continually having a relationship with the client and continually updating our model to see what's going on. If you want somebody, if you, you know, if you have a $10 million portfolio and you want to hire an asset manager, then you want to look for a specialist that does that. If you're looking for somebody who is, uh, who is going to set up your estate plan, Right, because you have a, a legacy desire where you want to leave everything to your kids and you don't want to pay any taxes. Also, again, you want to look for somebody who has that as, as their specialty, who has done a lot of that or 
is kind of that that is who they're looking for uh, because m- most of my clients have their lifestyle as their value uh, as their goals rather than legacy as their goals then they're looking for me my clients were looking for somebody who does what i do uh, and so as a client what you want to do is you want to s- discover the various different kinds of financial advisors and planners and have that in mind as you go and hunt for it. Like if you can't, if you haven't answered the question, what are the things, what are the things that I want to achieve with the relationship that I'm going to have with the person I hire? That's the work that you need to do before you begin talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so really interesting question. And um, how can people contact you if they're interested in following you, uh, you know, asking you questions, you know, letting you as well? How can they reach out to you? Sure. My, my contact information is on www. That's Woodson. It's Woodson Wealth Management, but the wealth management portion is, is all is shortened and tacked onto the Woodson. It's all one word. Um, and my and I'm under the who we are listing, and that's where you can see my my bio. And there's a direct link to email me or or even set up a 30 minute introductory meeting. And that's uh, that would be either via Zoom or telephone. I work 100% remotely. You can see here I work out of my out of my home office, uh, and I think that that is the, the future. So we are not limited to people in New York. The firm itself is registered in, in uh, separate separate states, including California, New York, and Texas, which are the big ones. And if necessary, we can register in others so we're not geographically located. If you're, if you're my people, I'm your guy. It doesn't matter whether you're in Los Angeles, Minneapolis, or, or Boston. I want to, I want to, I want to be your, your guy to, to talk about how you how you solve retirement problem, but also how you eke the best life out of the resources that you have, that you have and that you're going to accumulate and how to model those things without any pressure to buy anything because I don't sell anything other than myself. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Jason for coming onto the show. Really, uh, you know, uh, CFP is kind of like uh, someone you can, including your team and get some advice and you know it's the right fit as well the right outlook and those are all important i want to i want to add something if somebody is calling themselves there's no regulation about what somebody can call themselves they can call themselves a financial planner and call themselves a financial advisor there's there's no there's no distinct so if you're looking for if you aren't going to look for a for a tax advisor and you needed you needed a bookkeeper you probably wouldn't hire an accountant right but if you were if you want somebody to do accountancy you should probably look for a cpa if you want to hire an expert in financial planning look for somebody who has some training in in financial planning and isn't just coming up through some sales system and calling themselves a financial advisor yeah i love that and um that's where financial literacy and uh Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Um, all of Jason's resources will be in links and show notes. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Okay, thank you, Dr. Lou, for having me. It was great talking with you. And um, it, I look forward to, to hearing from your audience. I 
hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.